Our sermon this uh, midweek Vesper service is from uh, the book of Exodus chapter 20, um, particularly verse 3. Uh, the sermon is entitled, Joyfully Lutheran, the First Commandment. It's good to be back, by the way, as we continue on uh, with our regularly scheduled uh, worship week here, beginning with a new series based on our Synod President's book, Why Am I Joyfully Lutheran? I think a good question for all of us to always ask ourselves, why are we joyfully Lutheran? Why are we joyful in this one true faith? And throughout this journey, probably 30 some odd weeks, we'll be going through uh, this book and we will preach based on each chapter for each week. And today we begin with uh, the first commandment. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You shall have no other gods. And what does this mean? Uh, we should fear, love, and trust God above all things. The root of all the commandments, the gateway to which, well, we, we fall to sin, but yet that first commandment shows us clearly this is the root, the beginning, the core to which shows us who is our God. That he is to be trusted above all things because he is God. The one true God, not lowercase g, but the one true uppercase g, God. There is no one else, God is saying. He is saying, trust me, fear me. Love me because I am the God who has rescued you from the hands of Pharaoh. And even for us, I am the one who has rescued you by the sending of my son. This is who your God is, who died on the cross, who rose from the grave, and who gives you life eternal. But even more, I think, as we look at this first commandment, it really hits to the core of our hearts, doesn't it? It really hits to the depth. It untangles every compartment, exposes every corner, reveals every area as this commandment spotlights humbly the idolatrous heart. The diagnosis God gives, for he knows if we fall to this idolatrous heart, what a dark path it will be. God is good. He loves you. He gives you his good word to safeguard you, to give you that boundary, to know full well that when you cross the line of his word, there the commandment show us to repent, to confess our sins. This is a good command of our Lord. And just as he told the Israelites with all the things that they went through, he has rescued them. He has given them life. He has given them a new life, a new Status And just like he says to us, he is saying to them, Fear me, love me, and trust me. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. All you need is me. This is your God. 2 Corinthians 12, Your grace is sufficient for me. My power is made perfect in weakness. Psalm 121, My help 
come from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Psalm 120, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. This is our God, Philippians 4, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. This is our God, the God that gives you joy. He is your joy, the greatest joy that is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Creator, Redeemer, Sanctifier. Creed shows us clearly this is who our God is for us, as he has done and continues to do in this life of faith. The living word, right? Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Sorry, I answered for you guys. Hallelujah, right? Hallelujah, the true picture of joy. Because the Lord is our joy. The Lord gives us this joy. The Lord's grace gives us this joy. Yet, how we see the embattlement of our flesh constantly by the devil, the world, and our sinful nature. Satan, as we read in the book right here, why am I joyfully Lutheran pastor president? I don't know what to call him, but he's both great at both. He's a good pastor. He's a great president. But he mentions pseudo joys. Pseudo joys. What, what is a pseudo joy? Right. The joys that seem like the perfect antidote for all of our ailments. The, the joy that seems to promise a full life. The joy that seemingly promises you a secure and peaceful and complete life. Yet these pseudo joys, well, little do they provide those things for you because they are false joys. Harrison says on page 13, false gods offer false joys. That is their job, right? Idols are infinite, like a thousand local gods, the plethora of idolatrous possibilities. Pseudo joys, that is your definition. But man, those pseudo joys, they bring the glitz and glamour to our eyes, don't they? Like a thousand local gods, offering you this and that and this and that, saying that if you just have this, you will have great joy. Yet all they do is bring you again at the end of the day to a pseudo joy, a fake joy, a, a sham type of joy, not a real joy. I think that's our dwelling today in our meditations on First Commandment is that we must ask ourselves, what is that pseudo joy that we have in our life. And when I think of pseudo-joys, I think we, we see it when we turn on the, um, the TV and we watch the advertisements. Advertisements? Advertisements. But when we watch the advertisements, those are the pseudo-joys, right? Buy this product and your life will be full. This car, just buy it top down, you know, convertible, riding on PCH, of course, always, right? Uh, with the air hitting, uh, uh, with the sun hitting your hair, with a great smile, the ocean air flailing through your loose hair, and 
This is a picture of joy only if you buy this car. Or even, even that beverage. Usually it's an alcoholic beverage that is advertised. But there you will be on that, and, and you know what commercial I'm talking about here. That white sandy beach sitting on a beach chair as you relaxingly look at the clear blue ocean water. This is... This is what they try to sell to all of us, these pseudo-joys, as if these will bring us what we need. In other words, you can find joy in the world. You can. You can enjoy, and it's okay to enjoy the creation that God has given to us, but, but when our joy is found in these objects, we very well know that we have gone trespassing against the first commandment. It has become a pseudo-joy in our lives. Harrison refers to the large catechism here. Shall your idol be skill, prudence, power, favor, friendship, and honor? Again, how many times does the world say, your life is about your reputation. Your life is about your status. Your life is about who you are in the place of this world as if those things will give you the true joy that you are looking for. The thing is, that's how deceptive these joys are, aren't they? They seem like joy, like a never-ending quest of getting this type of joy, then my life will be, we all have that, don't we? That one thing in life, if I just have that, my, my life will be complete. Maybe it's that bigger house, maybe it's that better car, maybe it's my bills. Maybe it's all these things. But soon enough, we discover that this quest is only filled with pseudo-joys. For if we put all of our eggs in this pseudo-joy-filled basket, all we have are left are pseudo-promises, pseudo-fulfillment, pseudo-security, pseudo-hope, and pseudo-peace. I could pseudo all day long, right? Isn't that the, what this world offers? But at the end of the day, these are just pseudo-joys. Pseudo-joys that only have one path, and that is on the way to destruction and despair. We see all throughout the Bible how this has plagued those. Namely, our first parents, Adam and Eve. The tree of life. The pseudo joy of eating from the knowledge of good and evil, yet we, really, we, yet we really know that it brought real death into this world. Real grief, suffering, and pain, sweat on the brow, separation from God. This was clearly a sham, a fake joy, one that brought something far greater that is destruction. We see the sin of David. A pseudo-joy, looking at this woman, sleeping with her, committing adultery, only if he could have this woman, the joy of the flesh. Yet we see what this pseudo-joy led to. It led to murder, didn't it? Uriah. No joy at all. Sham, sham, and sham. As we go through our book of Joshua, the sin of Achan, right? 
the pseudo joy of taking the pressured, uh, the precious metals that belong to the Lord, the treasured things, the carom, right? We talked about this. But yet, what happened? Because of this quest for the pseudo joy, many in the army died in the future battle, and eventually it was Achan himself who succumbed to his death because of his sin. Pseudo joy. Sham, sham, and sham. No joy at all. So deceptive they become for us that we don't even know that we are falling for these pseudo joys. Does that make sense? Like we are so weak in our sin that sometimes we're not even aware that we're following or falling for these pseudo joys. Harrison writes, we are so prone to it, so blind to our faults, so ready to deny our perpetual infractions that we have no real understanding of the seriousness of our plight. Again, we take the cue from our first parents who might have thought this isn't so bad. It looks good. Let's just go for it. And for us too, it looks so good. If I have this thing, let's just go for it and get it. Who is it hurting? All the meanwhile, we trespass against the one true God as we hold everything else above our one true God. Possessions, pride, arrogance, lust. These are the refuge that we seek in our fallen human flesh. Because if it's not our one true God, there we are searching for our little lowercase g gods. Filled with pseudo joys. What does that amount to? What does that amount to? I always ask myself that. Because time and time again, we go to the same well trying to rummage, trying to find, searching and searching for that joy, but all we're left with is greater disappointment because these pseudo-joys, well, they're just fake joys. They're a sham. Despair and emptiness, hopelessness in our sin, deception within the void. But the Lord chose us today in His commandments. You shall have no other God. Because those little gods offer nothing for you. All the little gods, all they offer is a sham, a fake, something that will push you down as the devil is always there down this dark and deafening path. You shall have no other gods, lowercase g, because... Because you have the one true God. You have all that you need in the one true God. Not a pseudo God, but the one true living resurrected Lord, our living God who gives to us all that we need. Jesus Christ, the one who came to the world, who is tempted to the full, yet left the desert without sin, who went to the cross without sin, only to bear your sin, 
This is your God. And there's no need of any other lowercase g God. Because it is Jesus who kept the law for us. A law that we are unable to keep. It is Jesus who brought you, what is it? The good news of great joy. Through his death, paying the price, the penalty, the punishment for our sin. The bad news he takes upon himself just to turn it into good news. Three days later, the resurrection proves it all. In all emptiness, there you are full of the great joy that Christ our Lord delivers to you. Joyful, fully, because your sins are forgiven. Joyful, fully, that Jesus died on account of you, giving you and shedding his own body and blood for your forgiveness, washing away your sins. Joyful, fully, that God is your father and you are his true children. You are. There is no doubt. Jesus has finished it. Nothing, as it reads in John, can snatch you away from the Father's hand. This is joy. And it has been delivered to you already. Because his redemption says so. His empty tomb proves it. And we are his own. That is where you belong. Rescued from sin, death, and the power of the devil. Sin washed away. This is your joy. Guilt answered for. As Jesus stands in your place, this is joy. The devil crushed, this is joy. Pseudo joys cannot deliver what God, the one true God, is able to do for you. Because our God, you shall have no other gods, because you have the greatest God, the one true God. He brings us the objective joy, not a feeling. Not an inkling, but a concrete promise that you are joyful because all has been fulfilled. It does not end in destruction. It does not end in terror or hopelessness, but his joy for you is eternal. It never changes. This joy is real and it continues to lead you by the very promise as we await his final return. But until his return, we continue to celebrate this Easter season. We rejoice and have great reason to rejoice because we live. Well, because Jesus lives. And because Jesus lives, we have the resurrected life, the resurrection from the dead. We receive the true victory unto life, grace upon grace because he has banished the grave and he has overcome it. We don't follow a dead word. We don't follow a dead Jesus. We follow a living Jesus. We follow the living word. The greatest reason as we joyfully live right now, as we live out this life in the life of faith. You might have burdens. You do. I do. But yet at the same time, we look to the word, and there we have our God. Our God who reminds us and who delivers us by his body and blood.
No longer are we empty. No longer are we searching uh, for this fullness, for this joy. But it is our Lord, by His resurrection, that has given it. May you joyfully live, all of you, because your joy is not wrapped in anything of this world. Your joy is not wrapped in anything that is pseudo, but your joy is Jesus, wrapping you by His garment of grace, covering you by the robe of righteousness, from the fruits of the cross to your baptism. There you are covered by His death and resurrection as, you, as we read, as we are buried, Romans 6, into His name. So therefore, go joyfully living in Christ, loving and serving as you are set free. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Midweek Sermon from Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.